Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Thanks, Lord, that your word inspires us. Your word, Father God, is, is able to ignite uh, the, the incredible passions of faithfulness towards you, Lord. As we look into your word, it's a, it's a mirror that we can reflect in. We can see ourselves in the light of your word, Father. We pray that tonight your word would just arouse our spirits into a passionate, glorious service for the Lord. And from this day forward, Lord, there would be a, a work that would be amazing, that would be seen from far, far away, Lord, and experienced by those who witness our lives. And we pray, Father God, that this word would be the beginning of a revival in our hearts and in our families and in our church, Lord. And uh, Father God, that we would just raise up as you would have it in this season of being your people, Lord, that we would conform to the image and likeness of your son and that you would be glorified in us and through us, Lord, and that this work would be a, a full work reaching far and abroad to our family and friends, Lord, and that you would use us as instruments of righteousness that you would use us, Father God, as instruments and ministers and vessels of your fire. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. It seems to be that um, sometimes some we are withheld from attaining everything that God has for us. And one of, the, one of the rebukes that the Lord had for the leaders of his day is found in Matthew 23, 13. And it was a stern rebuke and... And I'll tell you that, that I myself have many of times used these words that Jesus used in this occasion. And, and please, uh, this is just the beginning where he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you guys are being hypocritical, for you shut the doors of heaven, and so men cannot get in. And, and so this is, this is somebody who's standing... I don't know if you remember when you're at the school lunch in the cafeteria school and the guy puts his hands across the door and he's keeping everybody out from the cafeteria room. And so Jesus is saying, what is wrong with you? Why do you take the approach of shutting the kingdom of God out towards people? And, he, and then he says like this, you neither go in yourselves and you do not allow those who want to go in to come in. So that, that, is a, that is a powerful uh, indictment. It's, 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 it's a thermometer in the hearts of leaders, of believers that have become apathetic. They're, they're not desiring to go and participate what's on the table. They don't want to go and, and, and take hold of the inheritance that's in the kingdom. They're, they're casually... Um, you know, indifferently just going along without a passionate fury of going after the territory that's ahead of them. And not only does their apathy affect them because they say you do not go in and then neither do you allow those that come after you to come in. Uh, The greatest expression of this were people that come to this church and they tell their friends, you really don't want to go there. They're too serious. I was like, 
Don't go to that church because they, they take Christ for real. They actually do what the Bible says. Um, I remember there was a young couple that was coming, and uh, they went out on their first date, and they had met, and they were just getting to know each other, and they go out with Joey and Suleika, and Joey and Suleika goes into the bathroom with the young girl, and, and she says, I, I love Jesus so much, and she goes, well, I don't want to talk about Jesus now. I, this is not, I don't want to, I don't want to be. You know, you're Christian. It's fine that we do it at church or at youth group, but, but why are you talking about Jesus? I mean, we're at the bowling alley, and we're in the bathroom, and, and that was a good sign for that gentleman to get very far away from that young lady. How many say amen? You know, somebody who doesn't want to be a Christian 24-7, that concerns me. I don't want to be around that person because sooner than later, there's going to be a problem, and sure enough, that couple is divorced and separated and going through broken family issues and all sorts of scenarios and here Joey and Zuleika have a thriving ministry and marriage and on fire for God any 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 marriage that comes next to them is Zuleika that was that was about what 14 years ago right and 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 Zuleika's still on fire and she's still talking about Jesus if you go to the restroom with her she'll 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 bring out Jesus and that's the type of people I want to be around and I don't want to be around seasonal Christians and indifferent Christians and Christians that have no fire for the things of God. And so we start out with that premise and then we move a little bit closer to Jeremiah 48.10 where there's an actual curse for those who do the work of the Lord deceitfully. Those that are, that are being, you know, uh, uh, underhanded. Those Cursed is he who does the work of the Lord deceitfully. You, you can't, Show forth the passions of God's love that he's poured out on you towards people that haven't tasted, people that do not know. And there's a curse upon this type of a Christian, one who does not allow the fire of God that's in his heart to be shed abroad into the hearts of the others. Um, and so it, God has always related his presence with, with incredible power. And to do the work of the Lord deceitfully. He says, cursed is he who keeps back his sword from blood. Uh, meaning that you don't tell people that they're about to lose out. You, you, when you're around a sinner, he feels comfortable. When you're around somebody who's not doing something for God, he feels that you're his buddy. And not somebody who's giving him a warning. Who's giving him the cautions of the coming judgment upon his life. And that's doing the work of the Lord deceitfully. Somebody asked me recently, um, why didn't you go to this big Christian event? And I said, you know, because I, I knew you were going to be there, and I know you don't take God serious. And I want to be in a place where people take God serious. And so um, you'll see that, that if we don't stand where God wants us to stand and do what God wants us to do, we're de being deceitful. We're saying everything is okay. At one time, God tells his servants, you guys are like sleeping dogs. People are breaking in the house and they're taking away the, the and you guys, you guys, my servants are like sleeping dogs. They're not keeping watch. They're lazy dogs, the Bible says. So I, I want, if there, is, if there is a reality of getting, is this possible? And you guys answer this. Is it possible to get more on fire for God? Is it? 
Or have we just arrived because that's it, we have Jesus in our heart. Let me tell you something. The Bible has characterized the servants of God as those that burn, burn, burn with living fire, consuming fire. They can't be held back with what they feel. And so, so like uh, Psalm 39 verse 3, when David is speaking about his experience, and I don't know if you're there yet, but I want to encourage you tonight to be there. And he says, there is nothing, um, my heart is so hot within me. While I was considering this, fire burned, and then my tongue spoke. Is, can we get there? Can we, can we begin to, like the youth say, fan the flames? Don't let it go out. What is going on? Why have the coals gone, you know, indifferent? And it's a sad day in the life of a Christian when he loses the passion that burns within his heart. And you know where, why our hearts needs to burn with passion? Does anybody have a clue? Does anybody know why? Because God's heart burns with passion. God's heart is, is steaming with the fury. Um, if you read with me in 1 Timothy 2, 3 and 4, he says, This is good and acceptable in the sight of God, who desires all men to be saved and for everybody to come to be able to see the truth. So when people are keeping others back from the truth, God is not pleased with those who do the work of the Lord deceitfully, casually, nonchalantly. Everything's okay. We don't need to do anything radical. And let me tell you something. I love the words of, of Christ in Luke 12, 49. He says like this, I desire all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth and I will send fire on the earth. And oh, how I wish it was already sparked. This is what Christ is saying. He's not talking about judgment here. He's not talking about he's going to, like, you remember last week, the, the, the spirit of the disciples, let's just burn the earth. You know, let's say they didn't receive us. Let's burn. That's not what he's talking about. Jesus is talking about the fire of the spirit of God. Oh, that I wish it were already sparked in the hearts of men. This is what he's saying. Um, and I, I want you to understand this as a premise. The Lord desires your indifference to be eliminated once and for all. And, and that only happens when you, when you just set the fire ablaze. You set the, 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 the flames uh, blazing in His presence. And, and that's what he wants. I, I don't understand an indifferent Christianity. David said, my heart burns with fire. It's so hot within me. Deuteronomy 4.24, one of the first revelations when God says, ta-da, here I am. It says like this, Deuteronomy 4.24, for the Lord your God is a consuming fire. He's a jealous God. He has zeal. He has passion. He's, he's not indifferent. How many know that God hates sin with, with passion? And then He loves righteousness with passion. There is no indifference in our God. There is no calm down, everything's going to be okay. Passion is the state of the heart which is fervent. And you can tell when somebody has fire. 
ablaze with the love of God. God wanting to reach every man alive. I, I can't be in a place without talking to the cashier. Without today I went to the bank and, and the teller was, was going through a divorce and just reaching out with the love of God. How could I stand by so indifferently when there's so many needs, when so many issues are taking place in this life? And this is what God wants for us to reach out with this fire that consumes. Um, the, the, the stuff that's written on, on some of the clothing is be careful, flammable, right? Be careful, this catches on fire. You don't want to be around somebody who's on fire. Why? Because you're going to get on fire. Even if, if you're like, you remember the prophets of Elijah? And he says, pour water on the sacrifice. Pour water on the wood. Pour water. Why? Because when God shows up, the whole sacrifice is burnt up. And the fire that falls from heaven will, it, it, uh, it, it will powerfully consume anything in its presence. And how Christianity has become so stale and so bland and so indifferent. I don't know if you're a Mormon, a Jehovah Witness. What are you? If you don't have fire in your heart, and if it's not setting something ablaze and making an impact wherever you are, something is wrong. I'm reminded of Luke 24, 32. After the resurrection, Jesus shows up to two men, and they're walking down the road of Emmaus. And they, they were talking with him. And this was what, what, what gave them a witness of who it was they were talking to. When they said to one another, didn't our heart burn within us? Wasn't there fire lit in our conscience? He who talked to us, with us on the road of Emmaus as he shared the scriptures to us, as he, as he talked, are, are, do people breathe, you know, the fire that's in your heart? Is there fire in your bones? Is there a passion? Is there a fury? These are all the terms that are used in the Bible. And it's not only in the Old Testament that that God identifies himself with fire. In Hebrews 12, 29, he says we're receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, which cannot be moved. And, and let us serve God acceptably. Why? Because he's a God that is expecting fire. He's a consuming fire. Our work is going to be tested to see what manner of work we've worked with. Is it straw, hay, and stubble, wood? What happens with those materials? They, they disappear when there's fire. But let each one build with gold, silver, and precious stones. So when the fire comes, it's purified. It's, 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 it's polished. It's of greater worth because the fire has consumed it. And so there is no doubt if we have a consuming God who is fire and He is uh, blazing a trail in His heart for the passions of man. It says, David got a revelation in Psalm 104 verse 4. He makes His angels spirits and His servants like, like flame of fire. He who makes His angels spirits and His ministers a flame of fire. This is John Wesley, who, who they, they asked him a question, how come so many people come? How come so many people come to the Lord through your ministry? You know what he said? Because as I preach, I preach like a man that's on fire, and everybody comes and watches me burn. 
Everybody is coming watching me, uh, passionately serving Christ and asking God, God, take away the lack of enthusiasm. Take away my, my slackness in these matters, my lack of diligence. And so every servant of God becomes a flame of fire. And God doesn't want to leave one of us without that fire. In fact, when he returns, he's going to see some like virgins with their lamps and they're turned out. Their fire has gone out. And so he says, I do not know you. They're knocking outside. They're like, Lord, open the door. And he says, I, get away from me. I don't know you. I know people that are on fire for what I've done. I know people that love me with the, with, they're just poured out the oil and they're blazing on fire in the presence of God. I don't know you. And we're going to read that soon in Matthew 25. Let's read it now. Let's go to Matthew 25, verse 1. It says that those virgins were, were sitting there waiting for him. The kingdom of, life, of, of heaven shall be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Having taken too long, they all fell asleep indifferently. And they heard at the midnight hour that the bridegroom was coming. Verse 2. Now five of them were wise and five foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. They weren't going to start a fire. Why, why be filled with the Spirit of God? Why be passionate about the things of God? Verse 4. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they slumbered and slept. And at the midnight cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming out to meet him. And then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the identifying factor was the foolish one said to the wise, give us some oil. Get us on fire for God for our lamps have gone out. We don't have a passion for the things of God. But the wise said, no, lest there should not be enough for us and you. But go rather and go to those who sell and buy for yourself. Get around people that will get you on fire. Stay away from people that do not like your fire. There's certain people don't want the fire of Christ to be burning bright in your life. There is no Christianity without the fire of God. Verse 11. And he says, while they, afterwards the other virgins came. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went with him. And the door was shut. And the other virgins come and say, Lord, Lord. They thought they had a relationship. Come open the door. Open up to us. And these are just devastating words in verse 12 where Jesus says, but he answered and said, surely I say to you, I do not know you. I don't know anybody without fire in their lamp. I don't know anybody without fire, without oil, without a relationship that impacts the lives of others, that is enthusiastic. In Jeremiah 5.11, God promised that he would put incredible fire in the mouths of his people to deal with those that were indifferent. You can't sit there and see someone who's doing something contrary to God and say everything's okay, you're doing perfect. God loves you and so do I. He says, for the house of Israel, his own house, and the house of Judah have dealt deceitfully, treacherously with me, says the Lord. They haven't been real. 
They, they, don't have a relate, they don't have the passions of my presence. Verse 12. And he says, they have lied about the Lord. And they said, it's not he. He doesn't speak like this. Neither will evil come upon us. Nor shall we see sword or famine. There's no judgment for people that are taking it easy. There's, there's nothing going to happen. God's not like this. In verse 13, he says, the prophets become nothing. For the word is not in them. There's no fire coming out of that. There's no change. There's, there's no uh, producing a, a difference. Let me tell you something. There's something about fire. When it's there, you know it's there. And you're going to feel it. When there's fire there, you're going to... They say, if you don't like the kitchen, if you don't like the heat, get out of the kitchen, right? Well, if you don't like what God produces in those people that are on fire... And we're going to see that there's a common denominator in all his servants. And so he says, my prophets have become like nothing, for my word is not in them. And so it shall be done to them. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of hosts, because you speak a fireless word, because your Christianity is so bland, so indifferent, there is no power in that presence. He says, behold, I will make my words in your mouth fire. And these people will be like wood. And when you speak to them, they're going to catch on fire. They're going to get on fire. They're gonna have, you're going to have something from God. Listen, I'm not talking condemnation. You don't go up to people and say, you know something? You're going to hell like they did to me. That's how I got saved. My cousin came up to me. She had fire. She says, you know, Joaquin, you're going to hell. I was like, no. Let me go find out what it is to get saved. I'm not talking about preaching condemnation. I'm talking about having such a fresh word from the throne of God. Having a call on your lips like happened to Isaiah when the angel came and touched his lips with coal of fire. So that when you speak, God is present. And, when, and that's a word from the Lord that you give your son, you give your daughter, you give an employee, you give a friend. And he knows it's not you who's speaking. You're a minister of God. You got the flame on your lips. And so he says, the word I will put in your mouth will be fire. And these people will be like wood. And your words will devour them. Isn't it awesome when we see in Acts chapter 2 verse 3 that all the disciples were gathered together. He says, don't leave until you receive fire from God. Get on fire. Be my witnesses. And there appeared to them there at the beginning of the church. He didn't want to start a church without fire. How dare us have a church without fire? How dare us have an indifferent church? You got permission to kick anybody out who comes to sleep to church. It's not a church where people come to sleep. You crazy? It says like this. Fire set upon the head of every single believer. You're going to be my church. You're going to be on fire. You're going to represent me on the earth. You're going to light on fire. You cultivate the fire. Move that fire. Move those coals. Get around people with fire. Jeremiah 20 verse 9. It says, but if I say, and, and you know, Jeremiah started getting heat because how many know if you start lighting everything around you start being known as the guy who lights fires the fire starter 
Wherever you go, you, and you're lighting people up for the kingdom of God. And, and, and when you leave, they're still burning in their hearts. Didn't our hearts burn within us as they talked with us? Or, or are we putting out fires? And we're so, so bland in our communication. He says, Lord, fill me with your fire, God. Light me with your spirit, O oh God. That when I open my mouth, that I carry the burdens of the kingdom of God. And so it was such that as Jeremiah began to speak, with that word that God put in his mouth, that like fire, and the people were burning like wood, you know they don't like that, right? They began to make fun of him. And so in Jeremiah 20, verse 9, he says, I decided that since this is causing me problems everywhere, I'm just going to shut up. I'm just going to close my mouth because everywhere I go, people call me a fanatic. They call me a Christian. I will not make mention of God anymore, nor will I speak in his name. I don't want people to identify me as una cristiana, as a, a woman that, that fireball for the Spirit of God. I'm going to tone it down. I'm going to simmer the heat. And, and he says, I'm, I'm going to stop talking in his name. But look what he says. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire. It was shut up in my bones. Fire in my bones. I can't see something. And, and know that I'm the instrument of God and turn my head and walk the other way. And when that fire is in you, you'll want to not talk and you can't. His word will be in you. So with such, he says, like fire shut up in my bones. I was weary. I could not hold it back. I could not stop it. Why? Because the fire is not yours. It's God's fire. And you got to unleash it in the direction of God's desire. you got to become God's instrument in this world. And he says, I can't hold it anymore. I can't hold it anymore. Even holding it back gets me tired. If you go to Acts 17, 16, as Paul was walking through the city, what happens when a man is on fire for God and he's walking through the city, he's taking care of business, he's doing something normal. And there's no church service, there's no meeting, there's no one conference. He is the one conference. While he's walking around, his spirit is, is moved in passion when he saw the city was turning their backs on God and walking contrary, worshiping idols making other things more important. And you can see this happen in this city as people begin to talk about cars and they start talking about business and they start talking about the stock exchange and they've lifted up idols. They don't talk about God. They've lifted up other idols and they're perishing in their pursuit of futile idols, things that don't mean anything. That don't, you know, how horrible that these men, that, that their, their marriages are falling apart their families are being lost. Their children are going to step-parents or being blunt plundered by drugs and alcohol and, and all sorts of perversion. And these guys all care. I just heard it today from a friend of mine named Joe, Ch Joe Champion. He's a preacher. He says, people care more about their cars than they do their own daughters. They put more value on a, on a taking care of their car. You you can take my daughter, but you're not going to borrow my car. How awful that has become in our generation. And so as Paul was walking through the city, he was provoked in his spirit. 
as he saw all these people there worshiping idols, how could we pass by seeing these things and being indifferent to them? Not leaving a mark in the conscience of these people. Like in, in uh, Acts chapter 2, when, when Peter was on fire and he gave his first preaching, it says his words cut to the people's hearts. It was, it was a sword coming out of his mouth. Not for damage, but for conviction. And after he was finished speaking, they told him, what shall we do? In Spanish, estamos tan mal, que haremos? They, they were cut to the heart by a man who had the presence of God. And he spoke accurately these matters. Strategically, he spoke to them how far they were from God and how they needed to come back. And, and the response was, their hearts were cut. Their hearts burned within them. And saying, tell us what we need to do so we could get right with God. Sometimes we, we don't do that. And let me tell you something. Sometimes we don't do that with each other here at the church. We see some pathetic Christians come in and out of this place with no fire for God. For nothing shining for the Lord. And you know something? We're not ones to say, hey, buddy, you know something? Your, your, your participation is discouraging to me. The way that you're doing things is, is not the way God would have you do. That's what the Bible says, stir one another up to good works and to not forsake the assembling. When's the last time you called somebody here at church and say, hey, you know something? It's sad how you've lost your first love. It's sad how I used to see you in the presence of God. Where are you? And so in that regards, one day, uh, we know Peter got saved before Paul. How many know that? Peter got saved before Paul. Let me say it again. Peter knew Jesus before Paul knew Jesus. But one day, Paul walks into church. He walks into a gathering, Paul, and he sees Peter like acting like a hypocrite. And he's, he's playing religion. And he's, oh, everything's good. And then he's running over here and, and he's, oh, praise the Lord, brother. And he's, he's faking it. And, and Paul's indignation got to him in Galatians 2. Let's see this real quickly. And Paul calls him out and says, uh, Galatians 2.11. This is a, Paul written, a letter written by Paul, Galatians 2, verse 11. Now, when Peter had come to Antioch, he says, I withstood him to his face. When Peter came to Antioch, Paul came to his face and told him, hey, what you're doing is wrong. What you're doing is you're being a hypocrite. Verse 12, he says, for before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when the, the more Jewish people came, Peter would hide and, and he'd withdraw himself and he separated himself Fearing the Jews, those of the circumcision. Paul, uh, Peter was, uh, was playing games. And Paul says that he withstood him to his face. Verse 13. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him. Because once somebody starts doing something wrong, there seems like to be a little, uh, you know, a little social club that goes with it. Oh, we don't have to, you know, let's, let's go. And he says, the rest of the Jews were playing the part of the hypocrite with Peter. So that even Barnabas, who was a leader, was carried away with their hypocrisy. 
You know, you could put out the fire of people that are on fire. Oh, you don't have to, you don't have to praise God so much. Oh, I remember when, when Jose Medieros got saved, he was saved for about a month. And, and a, a preacher went up to him and says, don't worry, that fire is going to go out. And he says, Lord, rebuke you. Lord, rebuke you. What do you mean fire go out? Let's not lose the f- fire of our first love. Let's not be around people that, that want to cause us to simmer down. And so in verse 14, he says, but when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, when they weren't being real, when Christianity began to be watered down, I said to Peter before them all, what, what are you doing? What, what are you doing? And you know, sometimes we see stuff like that and we have nothing to tell nobody. We have no words to speak on behalf of those people that need a word. They need some fire. They need some, what we call AA, attitude adjustment. You know, quit living such a, a, a indifferent, apathetic, the, the, ap- the opposite of passionate. What are you doing? What are you doing? Uh, yeah, there's a season. You might be, you know, going through a dry spell, but that's not the normal course for a Christian. In 1 Corinthians 9.24, Paul says, I don't want to be apathetic and unproductive. I don't want to be swinging and missing and beating the air. I don't want to be boxing. I'm going to do something about getting purposefully in the direction that I'm going. Do you not know that those who run in a race, they all run, but it's only those that run well win to receive the prize? Run in such a way. I'm, I'm trying to get you to understand we need to step it up a notch, not... Step it down a notch. We need to grow more passionate. The Bible says all the more as we see the day of his arrival coming. Stirring each one, uh, provoking ourselves to love. Passion. The the feelings of, of incredible commitment. It says everyone who competes for the prize makes sure that in all things he's temperament. He's He's training. Now, they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we're going for an imperishable crown. Verse 26, therefore I run like this, not with uncertainty. I'm not messing around. This is calculated. This is on purpose. This is getting all the more serious as I move closer and closer to being one with the Lord. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I'm disciplining my body. And I bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to so many, I myself would be disqualified. And Paul was saying, I'm not already there. Philippians 3.12. I haven't already arrived. I haven't already the prize. I haven't got to where I need to be. There needs to be more fire in my life. I press on that I might lay hold of Christ and find out why Christ saved me. Why did God bring me to His ways? I need to find that out. And so one thing I do, verse 13, forgetting those things which are behind, I reach forward to those things that are ahead. I press towards the prize of an upward call. I want to get closer to the things of God. See, it's not unusual for the people of God to grow indifferent. In Numbers chapter 25, verse 1, it came to time in the Old Testament that everybody went to go pick a girlfriend. And a girlfriend is a part-time lover, somebody who's going to take the place when your real lover's not around. And they all began to practice harlotry. In Numbers 25, verse 1, it says like this, Israel remained in a certain area, and the people began to commit harlotry with the women of Moab. 
Verse 1, guys. I don't know what you guys are doing in verse 9. Harlotry. They, they, were, they were flirting with someone other than God. And so God says, I'm not going to have a people like that. How many know that God doesn't share his bride? He just doesn't, he doesn't, I mean, people, listen to me. People have tried to do that. It's not going to go well for you. God is not second best. He's the best. He wants you to serve him and him alone. And so here the people of Israel began to commit harlotry with the women of Moab. Verse 2, they invited the people to sacrifice of their gods. And the people ate and bowed down to the other gods. They started participating like the world was participating. I, I don't know how you feel that God would allow you to be in a place where other people are doing things that do not honor God. And you're participating like, if no, everything's okay. God has never accepted that. Even amongst his own people, he's drawn a line in that regards. So Israel was joined, verse 3, to these idol worship, Baal Peor. And it says, and the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel. Listen to me. If you don't understand that when we compromise and when we backslide and we, we slip away, the passions of God are moved. He's not interested in, in somebody cheating on him. Um, I've had the opportunity in the last month to listen to more women about how they feel when their husband is cheating. Do you have just a slight idea of how these women take it to profound feelings of hurt? I mean, there's nothing that strikes the chord of a woman's heart than an unfaithful spouse. And the women say, amen. Right? These women are like, unfaithfulness is not going to happen. It's a no-go, no negotiations, nothing. And so God is the same way. And he says his, his anger was aroused against Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, take all the leaders of the people, verse 4, and hang the offenders before the Lord out in the sun so that the fierce anger of the Lord can be turned away. Grab every single person that is cheating on the Lord. Don't rehabilitate them. Don't call them to repentance. Kill them. The next verse, 5. So Moses said to the judges of Israel, Every one of you kill his men who were joined to unfaithfulness. Listen to me. I'll tell you why. Because it spreads. Once one person begins to become unfaithful, it's contagious. Then two people, then three people, then four people. Unfortunately, righteousness does not transfer, but evil does. And so you'll see there that he calls them all to die. In verse 6, he says, Indeed, one of the children of Israel came and presented to the brethren a Midianite woman in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of Israel who were weeping at the door of the tabernacle. Listen to me. It's a sad thing when God's consuming fire begins to destroy the unfaithful. And so thousands of people were dying. And one guy is so silly, he brings his ungodly, harlotrous girlfriend, and he says, hey, what, what's going on out here? Everybody was crying, everybody's suffering. And he's like showing his girlfriend off. He, he's like, he doesn't get it. I mean, it was... It was Right before he came out, 
Moses and God and the people were blazing a passionate fire to purify God's people. And this guy comes out showing his girlfriend. So what happens next? Verse 7. Now when Phoenix, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, saw it, he rose among the congregation, took a javelin in his hand, and he went after the man into the tent and thrust him, both him and the woman so that the plague was stopped amongst the children of Israel. And those who died in the plague were 24,000 people. You know, I, I want to, re- I mean, we've been at this for 28 years, and I've, I've been part of a lot of churches, and I've seen 3,000 member churches die under the plague of indifference. Oh, it's not bad. Oh, I left my wife. It's okay. Oh, I'm cheating on my wife. There's no problem. Oh, I'm not going to church. Everything's okay. Well, I smoke and I drink. And guess what? What's happening in it is, is a little leaven, it, it spreads to the whole lump, the Bible says. Just a little bit. And so we need to find God's presence. We need to find the Spirit of God. We need to passionately pursue. What happened here in verse 10? The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Phoenix, the son of Elijah, the son of Aaron the priest, has turned back my wrath amongst the children of Israel because he was passionate with my fire among them. And that's why I stopped bringing judgment over Israel in my zeal. With a person that moves in the zeal of God causes God to say, my passion is moving, my fire is burning. There, there's something taking place. When this young man went in the zeal of God to destroy some man who was indifferent, stale, unfaithful. And so God says, when I see this, I'm moved to a pleasure, a heart of a man that's like my heart. In verse 12, he says, Therefore, I will give him a covenant of peace, and it shall be to him and to his family forever as an everlasting priest. Why? Verse 13. Because he was zealous for his God, and he did something about it on behalf of the children of Israel. Do we understand tonight that God takes these matters with, with deep, profound affections of moving in the direction beneficial for the people of God. Whether it's Paul moving towards Peter and saying, quit being a hypocrite. Whether it's, it's, it's Jeremiah telling the people, listen, I don't care how much you hate me, this is what God says. This is what God wants, and I can't keep it back because it's like fire in my bones. And so, in that regards, we need to ask God, God, I want to move in the direction of your fire. I want to move in the direction of your spirit. And when the fire of God comes, 2 Corinthians 7, 11, when the fire of God comes, it causes you to react in a certain way. Listen, you could excuse yourself and say, well, you know, I'm just like that. That's my personality. Listen to me. You better get some fire. You better get God's fire. Because once you have God's fire, I guarantee you, It'll be evident in your reaction, your participation. It says, this is what Paul says when, when he was telling the church the same thing. What are you doing? What are you doing? 
And so as he's speaking like that, um, he said, they respond and he says, for observe this very thing that you sorrowed in a godly manner. You, you started questioning yourself, Lord, yeah, I don't feel that I'm right with you. I, I don't feel that I'm, I'm vibrantly, I mean, I'm watching soap operas like I used to when I was a, a heathen. I'm hanging out with heathens. They feel comfortable. I, you know, my words, I have curse words now. I, I, I do not serve you passionately like I used to in my first love. And so, so he says when he checked them on this, they sorrowed in a godly manner. They said, you know something, something's all right. And then it, look at the diligence it produced in you. Something, something revived in them as he spoke to them. And he says, look what clearing of yourselves. You wanted to make sure you weren't one of those that didn't have fire. You were clearing yourselves. You weren't excusing yourself. You weren't justifying yourselves. He says, what indignation. You even felt deeply, you know, profoundly dishonored that you weren't one of the ones that were moving. What fear, what vehement desire, what zeal. What vindication. I'm going to show these people. I'm going to show them I'm going to be passionate for Christ. And he says all these things were produced. In all these things, you proved yourself to be cleared of the matter. You, you, you proved yourself that you are the people of God. You proved that the fire of God was, was not simmered down, but it was stirred up. And so as he confronts this stuff, he's, he's talking about the sin because he came up, he said to them, how is it, in 1 Corinthians 5, verse 1, how is it that amongst you, there are people that are doing things that are twisted? How is it that amongst you, it's reported that there's people doing sexually immoral stuff, things that, sh that, that Gentiles don't even keep company with that type of, type of people? The man has his father's wife, one of the sons of the member of the congregation was, was, was running off with his father's wife. And so, verse 2, he says, Aren't you proud and arrogant as though you ought rather to mourn until the person ha who has done this is removed from your midst? Aren't you puffed up and, rather, and, and not rather mourned? Aren't you? They were saying like this, Our church is a church of love. Our, our church is a church that we can handle people that, that do real bad things and nothing happens. He says, shouldn't you be crying? And you should cry until the man who did this is removed? How, how are you guys so indifferent to somebody who's so twisted? How could you feel so comfortable fellowshipping and worshiping with those that do not serve Christ with the deserved passions of honor? And so Paul continues to address this, and he says, instead of you guys being so arrogant, verse 3, for I indeed, as absence in the body, even though I'm not there, my spirit is burning with fire. I'm there in spirit. And I've already determined to draw a line in that person's life as though I was even there against this person who has done this deed. Verse 4. Paul wasn't even there and he was concerned about what was going on. Some of us are here and could care less. The nonchalantly attitude of some that say, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together along with my spirit with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 5, give this man up to Satan for the destruction of his soul. 
that his spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord. If you guys don't do anything about somebody who's lukewarm, are you listening? If you could sit there and just, and just somebody who, who is going to be lost and you're okay with it. You're okay. You, you have no, he says, do something so that at least on the day Jesus shows up, there's salvation. Verse 6. About this condition in your church, your boasting, your glorying is not good. Do you not know that if you guys allow a little bit of the attitude to prevail, it spreads? How many say amen? Just a little bit of an attitude. This is not so important. This is not so, so whatever the case may be, he says in verse 7, get this out. Purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump since you truly are unleavened. For indeed, Christ is our Passover, was sacrificed for us. And so he says, if you're going to serve the Lord, verse 8, do so without, listen what it says, do so without the leaven of malice, wickedness, and do so with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Guys, I think that we, we deserve for ourselves and for those that come from outside that what we do here, we do legitimately, genuinely, honestly. That when we say, God, you're the best thing that ever happened to me, it's a reality. It's not something that I, I was telling some people, I cannot believe some people have forgotten what the Lord has done for them. I just don't understand it. Romans 12, 11, he says, not lagging in your diligence, but being fervent in spirit. How do you... How do you how are you fervent in spirit serving the Lord? The more you serve Him, the more you're going to be on fire. 1 Corinthians 12, 31. I love this next verse, and I want to give it to you as we finish now. Earnestly. That word earnestly means with, with all deliberate passion. Desire the best things God wants to give you. Go, go for the fool, man. Don't, don't, don't settle for an okay meal. Don't settle for okay worship. Don't settle for an okay fellowship amongst the brethren. Desire the best gifts, the best that God wants to give you. And, and, and I'll show you a more excellent way. As he's saying, desire the best. Find out that you're, you're getting the best seeds. You're picking the best friends in fellowship. You're hanging out with, with those people that love Jesus Christ. If you're going to get married, make sure the guy is sold out for Christ. That was, that was, my, that was my, my indication. I said, Lord, I want to fall in love and I want to marry somebody that loves you more than I do. And praise God, that, that, that happened. I want, I want the best that God has for me. I'm not going to go settle for less. He's a Christian, so what? He's dead as a doornail. What's his passion for Christ? Where, when's the last time he saved a soul? When's the last time he went on a missionary trip? When's the last time he did something for God? Don't settle for less. Desire the best gifts. Somebody who loves God and wants to honor him with all his heart. Revelations chapter 3, and we finish. It's powerful. As I read this, he says in verse 15, Revelations 3.15, I know your works. I know what you're doing. But you know something? I can't get a temperature there. It's not like you're cold, like you're indifferent, but it's not like you're hot either. I wish you were cold or hot. You're neither one or the other. 
Can't tell what's going on. Verse 16. Because you're lukewarm, there's no fire simmering there. Neither cold nor hot. You're just room temperature. That's not the type of, of fellowship I want. And you know what led him to this sentiment? Verse 17, he thought he was okay. I'm rich. I have some wealth. I have a relationship. I don't need nothing more. You don't know that you're wretched. You know you lost your fire. You're miserable. You're poor. You're blind. You're naked. That's why he, he fell into that state of indifference. That's, that's how they, they're able to boil a, a, a frog. They just they put him in, in, a, in water and they slowly simmer up the heat and he dies. You have been slowly drifting off into deadness in your relationship with God. Why would God speak to us in those terms? Verse 19, because I love you. Because I love you, I'm calling your attention. And he says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. So therefore, be passionate. Get on fire and turn in the opposite direction. This is what he's telling the church. Because I love you, I'm talking to you in these terms. Because I love you, I want you to be there. You have the, the, the Psalms where David says, in Psalm 132.3, he says, Surely I will not go to my room in my house or go up to the comfort of my bed. I'm not going to let my eyes sleep or slumber until I begin to find a place for God to dwell, for God to live, for me to have a deeper relationship with God. I'm not going to get comfortable until I find a place for God. Psalm 119, 136, he says, rivers of water run down my eyes. Why? Because men do not keep your ways. We, we, we each need to ask God, Lord, make me one of those instruments of yours. They say as a coal is separated from other coals, it just simmers down and it, it dies. You need to find somebody to sit next to a church that's on fire for God. Psalm 60, 69 verse 9. He says, passion for your house has consumed me. I, the guys, it's always been the case. I care about what happens here. I care. And so some people say, well, the way you talk to me, you know why I talk to you like that? Because I care. Because if I didn't care, I would just, just turn the other way. And so that's, that's the difference. That when we're on fire for God, we, we care enough to reach out in the direction. We care enough to participate. We care enough to serve. And some people, they have no fire. He says, the passion for your house consumes me. As those people insult you, that insult falls on me. You know, when they talk about a, a dumb church, a stupid church, a Christian church full of hypocrites, they're talking about us. Let's do something about it. Let's change the world. Let's show the people what a people that's in love with Christ looks like. And he says, for the zeal of your house has eaten me up, and all your insults have fallen upon me. David is saying as the... As people insult the Lord and His work, every single insult has fallen upon Him. 
He cares about that. That's like David when he was coming across. You guys remember the story. 1 Samuel 17, 26. He's walking across and some total heathen, uncircumcised giant is saying, you guys are a bunch of sissies. And David goes, who is that? Because I'm going to knock his head off. That, that's, that's the spirit of God in him. He says as, as he was looking at that, verse 26, guys, David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, what shall be done for a man who kills this giant and takes away the shame from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised descarado Philistine that he should come here and try to shame the people of God? Who is this guy who's coming in here making this place a circus? Who is this that's coming in here and making this thing something that it's not? Who is this? Who's subtracting the value of this place? Who is cheapening the, the worship that we have in this place? I want to encourage you to, in the coming days, ask the fire of God's Spirit to fall afresh upon you. And you know, one of the things, there's a, there's a key here in Proverbs 23, 17. It says that when you start putting your eyes on sinners, the fire of God in you starts going out. As you start looking at people who don't love God and don't care about God and aren't walking with God, and it happened to me a lot in my raising up, in my law school, in my university, amongst my friends. Every time I, I looked at them, it was like, you know, my, my, my passion for God would, would simmer down because they're running the rat race, and I'm running the race of faith. I'm, I'm running for the glory of God. They're running for the glory of this world. And if I were to put, like it says in Proverbs, don't let your heart look at in, in, with envy to sinners for what they move with passion. Have you seen how passionate some people are outside of God for their things? It's just amazing. They get all the catalogs. They get all the, the, the stories. They get all the details. They get all the emails. They get it, and they're passionate about those things. That, and we need to be passionate. So if we put our eyes on that, we get caught up in that. But the, it says the zeal for the fear of the Lord it, it will be with me all day when I'm not putting my eyes on other people in this world. You'll see people that when they concern themselves with competing with the Joneses and, and, and serving the gods of this world that their fire starts going out. So if I'm not looking in that direction, the fire is aflame. And that's what it says in Proverbs. In Joel chapter 2, verse 3, it says, These people that will rise up in the last day, there will be a fire that goes before them and a flame that burns behind them. This is, this is the idea. It says, A fire devours before them and a flame behind them. The land that's in front of them is like the Garden of Eden. It's a paradise. And behind them, it's a desolate wilderness. Surely nothing shall escape their fire. When you guys speak into the life of people, what you speak will be the realities of what takes place. And there's no greater witness for a person that's blazing on fire, going by there and showing that reality. And sometimes we don't have that fire, and so we're not restrained as we go by, in Genesis 19, 14, Lot came. He didn't have not even a spark of fire to tell his family, let's get out of the city because it's going gonna, it's gonna to be destroyed. So when Lot went out and spoke to his son-in-laws 
who had married his daughters and said, let's get out of this place for the Lord is going to destroy the city. But his sons thought he was just joking. And people don't take you serious. People don't give the weight of your words, the seriousness they have. That, that concerns me. Let's stand tonight and ask God, Lord, we are your people. We are the ones that need to be blazing a trail we're the ones that need to impact our families, our city, our church. As, as new people come to this place, how awful it is that you would be more concerned about their net worth and their income and their outflow and you don't care about their spiritual condition. You're not, you're, you're not attuned. You're not in the spirit to be able to carry the weight of, of the burden and the work of the Lord in our life. As we sing this song, I, I just pray that, that you would have received this message from the Lord and know that our God is a consuming fire and our God wants us to be passionate about His things. And there's, you know, ask that Spirit of God to fall afresh upon you. Start gathering with those people that are on fire for God, those people that meditate. And they, they feel for the passions of our God. He says, oh, that the, the fire were kindled. If the fire were yet kindled upon the earth. Hallelujah.